0: Hello,
1: hello, hello, hello.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
1: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. Well, my co-host Larry Dersham and I have lots of news to talk about tonight. One of the biggest pieces of news that's on everybody's mind over the last week is the inauguration. I mean, that might as well have been a holiday. Everybody watched the inauguration. And, um, you know, it's just one of those days that is celebrated like none other. And there was pomp and circumstance. There was celebrity. There There were prayers. I mean, there were a star-studded guest list. There was really a lot going on. Uh, what there wasn't was the usual thousands and thousands of people in the mall, obviously because of the security concerns. But uh, you know, before we go any further, I mean, Larry, we have to talk about the inauguration. I mean, what a difference a couple days have made. Um, we are going to get to the flurry of executive actions and and what that means in a minute. But I have to ask, what was your favorite part of the day? I mean. Was it, the, was it Lady Gaga? Was it J-Lo? Was it the Poet Laureate? Was it the um, the all-star cast that was in the stands? Was it Bernie Sanders' Mittens? I mean, what did, what did you take away from that day? So much to talk about.
2: Right. For, for me, Wendy, it was, truthfully, for me, it was hard to watch uh, mm. because I was so disappointed in the results. But I can get over that quite easily. And I won't really go into this now, but I'm still so concerned about election integrity. And uh, so that was so much on my mind. Uh, Truthfully, I was engaged in other activities, but I did pick up on the news items. And I thought about this and actually saw somebody mention this. Uh, The inauguration happened, of course, Wednesday, January 20th. But if you need 20 to 40,000 armed soldiers to protect your inauguration from the people then you probably weren't elected by the people. And some people say it wasn't an election. It was a selection. But again, that's just my take on it, my opinion. And uh, (laughs) it is a beautiful uh, ceremony for sure. And I just love the fact that we have a peaceful transition of power. It makes us unique as Americans. It's
1: true. And, you know, one of the things that you and I like to do is sort of present both sides of the issue. And I think that that we really, we fairly do that with something like the inauguration. The uh, troops were also there because of what happened. The horrific storming of the Capitol on January the 6th. And, you know, the presence of the troops really made everybody feel pretty safe. You know, it, it was one of those instances where, you know, we call this sight hardening in the threat assessment arena. But they did an excellent job with sight hardening. They really did everything they could to make sure that they had the intelligence, they had the manpower, they did what they could to deter Anything from occurring that day, even though it meant far less people in the stands, and in terms of the the celebrity factor, you know, I mentioned some of the performers, but how about Mike Pence? You know, I watched the whole thing, and he got an ovation when he showed up with his beautiful wife. They were delighted that he was there to see the the transfer, the peaceful transfer of power on the special day. Um, and I also liked that there were lots of prayers. I mean, you and I, as Christians, Larry, you, you just you can't go wrong with. Prayer <laughs> being incorporated into these
2: ceremonies, can you? Oh, no, not at all. You know, prayer is, prayer is excellent. I wanted to briefly go back to January 6th, the day that uh, President, uh, there was yes. a big rally for the President, and then there was that uh, unfortunate event at, at the Capitol building. But I had somebody put it in perspective who was there with his whole family. And he also is a filmmaker, so he's quite knowledgeable. And he said the estimates were. 300 to 400 people went into the Capitol building that day, but he estimated he's been to many rallies, many crowds. He said there were a minimum of a million people there. So if you contrast, let's say 400 people to the million people, that means that 99.9996 of the people at the rally were well-behaved. That's
1: right. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it, It Larry? It does. You know, the other thing that's come to light in the last couple of weeks, and this interests me as a prosecutor because when you're talking about what do you charge people with, intent is always something that factors into this type of an analysis. The intent of people that attend a rally in riot gear is pretty clear. And that appears, no doubt, to be what the different prosecutors, the state prosecutors, the federal prosecutors, that's what they're looking at. In other words, they're looking at people that didn't just get caught up in the heat of passion, but that attended that event with the intention to breach the Capitol. So those are some of the things in the mix. And, you know, we're also seeing a lot of arrests, you know, right after the storming, people were complaining, you know, why isn't everybody in custody? But as you and I both know, as lawyers, investigation needs to be done. Intelligence needs to be gathered. And sure enough, now we are seeing justice being done, arrests being made and offenders being brought to justice.
2: Uh, exactly as it should be. And it's probably going to take some time to get it all figured out. But um, hopefully the ones that were causing problems, the ones that were breaking windows need to pay for that. They need to be brought yeah. to justice. hundred percent agree.
1: We're shaking that out right now. But uh, one of the other things that happened uh, shortly after the inauguration, in fact, that same day, was a flurry of executive orders. Now it's true some of these are undoing some of what president trump had put into put into place, but some of them are other types of orders that president biden has been talking about for some time, that have been on his mind, that are he that he's passionate about and one of those has to do with masking. So we all saw the footage the night of the inauguration and they were calling it, you know, joe biden unmasked because of course he was caught on federal property without a mask shortly after having signed a mask mandate and you can imagine why i mean he probably pulled it down to take a breath or something i mean those of us that go out know that those things are pretty darned uncomfortable um, but the mask mandate is something worthy of discussing because we have seen these things be recommended and their suggestions but to have a mandate gives some teeth to the law and as somebody that normally lives out of a suitcase because of my travel schedule I couldn't help but notice and follow very closely the fact that a federal mask mandate will impact the way they can enforce the laws when you fly. I know you love to travel too, Larry. Have you been following this? Uh,
2: I I have, but uh, not to the detail you have. It it is interesting. We have the mask mandate, and then I'm also a little bit concerned there's going to be a... um, uh, vaccination mandate. And I know a lot of people yes. are still saying, you know, they didn't really do a, any human testing on this or very little if they did any. And, uh, and I know that some people react to it in a negative way, the vaccination, you know, allergic reaction. So I'm a little bit worried if they try to institute a requirement for vaccinations to fly, go to the store and so forth. Well, here's some, here's an interesting
1: thing with that, Larry, because If you get vaccinated, do you still need to wear a mask? Can you still transfer COVID from here to there? So a couple interesting issues there. First of all, of course, is the the wearing a mask on a plane. So comply or don't fly, mask up before you go wheels up. Everybody knows that's going to be the new rule. However, can you also say no shoes, no no shirt, no shot, no service? Can you still require a shot, the vaccine, to be part of that analysis? Um, if, I mean, why do you need to do both? So these are the kinds of questions people are asking because the number one issue, at least the, the number one pushback issue that I'm hearing with respect to the vaccine passport as we're now uh, discussing it, is it's not a passport, it's not paperwork, it's an app. At least that's the way it's being described. And if that's true, then how much more of my medical information is transmitted when I show you the app on my smartphone, on my tablet, however I relay this information. I mean, obviously, some of my medical information is going to be made, I don't want to say public, but it's going to be in a format that can be shared. And if that's true, Larry, who do do the airlines share it with?
2: And then you hear about the major breaches uh, of the large stores uh some of i think target had a huge breach uh several years ago i remember that exactly and then it gets out and then it's out there i mean if you have your social security number uh it could be used against us i suppose if it gets in the wrong hands so that's always a concern
1: Uh, well you know what's also concerning in terms of uh what the wrong hands and what does that get into you know that These lists, you know, you're always talking about lists, is there going to be a no vaccination list? Because, you know, this hasn't been talked about a lot, but there is a no-fly list of mask violators. And that is not, I mean, you don't hear people talk about it every day, but it's also not a secret. So apparently there have been thousands of people that have already been banned from airlines like Delta, United, Frontier, Spirit, JetBlue, Alaska, I could go on and on. This is something that's already been instituted. You don't hear about it a lot, obviously, because it's probably not very popular. But will there then be a list of people that don't want to take vaccines?
2: There could be, Wendy. But before we go to our first break, I have a list of my own. And it's a thank you list for President Trump. Of course, his last day was this uh, past week. So just really quickly, thank you, Mr. President Trump, for everything you've done How does it sound, Wendy? I'm going to write him a note. It shouldn't be ending this way, but I and 79 million other Americans just want to thank you for all your effort on our behalf for the past years. Thank you for making us energy independent thanks for the tax cuts thanks for destroying isis thanks for the border wall thanks for calling out fake news thanks for the lowest unemployment rate for blacks hispanics asians native americans and women in history of our nation thanks for making peace in the middle east and uh, thank you for reining in the chinese communist party in terms of the trade and stealing our intellectual property and uh since i am short on time Thank you for Operation Warp Speed. There has never been a vaccination created in nine months in the history of creation of vaccines. That's and-
1: for sure. That's for sure. You know, you're going to have to put it on the uh, on the hood of his golf cart, Larry, to get it <laughs> to him because that apparently is where he's being spotted over in Miralago. Um, stay with us, folks. We are going to have a very interesting guest on the other side of the break. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Day. He had a dream one day people would be judged by the content of character, not by the color of their skin. We are going to hear how far we have come towards reaching that goal. So don't touch that dial. We are back in a flash. we talk about America being the land of opportunity, where if you have the determination, you can be whatever you want to be. It's truly the American dream. Well, we talk about that, and then we also occasionally have guests that know everything that that dream encompasses, who have lived it, who have studied it, who inspire us, who encourage us. And Larry, I understand we have one of those special guests on the line with us tonight.
2: We do, Wendy. I'd like to introduce to our audience Barbara from Harlem. Barbara grew up in New York City, where, as she says, blacks were instructed to register as Democrats and were taught that the Democrats were for the poor and the Republicans were for the rich. However, later in life, she began to see huge inconsistencies in the Democrats' statements and their actual policies. And the final straw came for Barbara with the acquittal of O.J. Simpson back in 1994. Yes. When she heard horrific remarks from her associates about justification for his acquittal just because he was black. Barbara from Harlem knew as a Christian she could no longer follow such logic. And she became a staunch conservative and has never looked back. And Barbara has recently come out with a new book, Titled "Escaping the Racism of Low Expectations," welcome to the program, Barbara. Oh, thank you so very much for having me, and thank you for that lovely introduction.
3: Uh,
1: so Barbara, I understand that your uh, conversion to conservatism—to <laughs> to personally experience the the liberal teaching in higher education. Uh, You've had some very interesting experiences and I'd love to hear a little bit more about your uh, fact that you actually graduated from a liberal arts college in New York City, but I understand you're actually in Harlem right now. Is that true? That is correct, yes. I I have to ask you what the weather is like in Harlem. We are complaining like you wouldn't believe here in San Diego (laughs) because there's a little bit of drizzle. What's it like in Harlem?
3: (laughs) Well, it's calm, it's cool, and it's beautiful. No problem. It's not too cold and it's not too hot.
1: It's oh, then, perfect that was terrific. perfect I would love to yeah. hear a little bit more about you know how did this conversion experience uh, come about how did it evolve? How did it start?
3: Well you know I, I mean growing up in a black community and you hear these things you know the Democrats are for the poor and the Republicans are for the rich, you just assume these things are true and accurate well you know in my I was thank God number one, I was introduced to God at an early age between my Amen. mother and my grandmother. And then, um, you know, I wanted to become active in the community once I came back from Florida because I was in Florida for a few years, and um, I joined Democratic clubs. I joined about four or five of them. I can't remember how many. And all I could hear was slavery, slavery, and the white man is the reason you you have problems, et cetera. And it was it was what was contrary to what I was taught in the church, to love thy neighbor. So it started irritating me, and, you know, I was tired of hearing about slavery. I was tired of hearing about those slave owners who've been dead, you know, for many, many years, and, you know, this hatred that they were trying to build up in people. So that is what sparked it, and then the turnaround, and um, with the O.J. Simpson trial, and here's some of the remarks I heard from people I attended church with, That was just too much. I knew something was wrong. I asked one of those ladies who remarked, oh, it's about time a black man got away with killing white people because white people have killed black people and they've been getting away with it. So I told her, I said, well, well, suppose that was your daughter. And then things just started adding up. In other words, I even asked her, because she started talking about the Democratic Party and all that, I said, if the devil was a Democrat, that means you vote for him, right? Oh, and these wow. are church people <laughs> yes I did ask Whoa. That. of course I never got an answer but all of these things started to embody my personhood and I say something is wrong, something is wrong and what was wrong was the messages that were being said in the, being promoted in the Democratic club even from the pulpits because during election time being that I was an active member of these Democratic clubs we will command it to go to church like i had to go to one church service where hillary clinton was the speaker and she almost made me go up oh. and after she spoke the pastor even made it worse when he got up there and said she's the moses for black people i don't need a moses i need jesus right amen uh, sister you understand i do so, i mean i had to run out of that church and try to hold on to my sanity and that just helped me flip the script. I said, I can't, I can't follow this, 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 club anymore. I can't follow these clubs anymore. I can't follow what they're promoting, and I have to stand for something else. So I um, volunteered and worked on the campaign of a young man running against Hillary Clinton for the Senate. Well, he lost, and after that, I worked, even though I was still a member of the Democratic Club, I worked on Julie, uh, Rudy, Giuliani's campaign. But I wow, incognito. I would hide my face when the West Norty were taking pictures of us. Wow. i had
2: <laughs> my hand over my face. My goodness. Hey, hey, Barbara, I've got a quick question. It's kind of a little aside yes. for fun. Yes. Back in Harlem, is there something called the Apollo Theater? Yes, there is. Yes, yes okay. Is. So when I was a young man, uh, 12 years old actually, learning to play drums – there was a guy named James Brown and his band, most amazing band in the world. And I think I had his album called uh, James Brown Plays the Apollo Theater. He had three drummers in his band. And I would, to pick up my drum grooves, I would listen to the LP over and over again oh, wow. because back then you couldn't put you couldn't loop it as a digital file you had to actually put the 12 inch lp on and and listen to it yes. I, I learned all my drumming grooves from james brown in that apollo theater album so yes. it's it's near and dear to my heart <laughs> oh but, my goodness yes
3: and as a child we used to go down there and we were able to see people like aretha franklin oh wow, james brown, oh, Jackie wow. Wilson. For about $0.10 and then sometimes $0.25. Oh, wow. So before they became big stars, we saw them, my friends and I saw them at the Apollo Theater, Earth of Kitt, all of those people.
2: Fantastic. Hey, Barbara, I got a question for you. How can we help minority groups escape this bondage of the Democratic Party and help them realize their great potential as free human beings created in the image of God? How do we do that?
3: Well, I tell you, I do it maybe on a small scale, but I do it person by person. I encounter people all the time who have been Democrats all of their lives, and I'm so happy. When they're teachable, there's a big difference. When they're teachable, fine. It works, because I can show them from the Bible, not from my opinion, that certain things that the Democratic Party promotes are absolutely anti-God.
1: Yes. And usually...
3: Um, I have one woman in uh, Brooklyn that um, she had never voted for a Republican before, but she was converted, and she converted three other people in her area in Brooklyn, another young lady I met in um, New Jersey, and um, by the time I finished talking with her, her and
1: I were holding hands and singing and
3: et cetera, Mm, et cetera.
2: That's beautiful. You know...
1: Barbara, I hear a lot, I heard a lot about this on Inauguration Day. Larry and I were just talking about prayer and how we love prayer no matter where it takes place. You know, you talk about person to person. There are so many people that we can bond with, Democrats, Republicans of all colors, because of course we are the human race, as we always say. How can we use faith? to really bring our two sides together. You know, we always like to say there's more that, you, there's more that unites us than divides us, but isn't Jesus Christ one of the biggest things that unites us rather than divides us? Or maybe yes, it but, should be? Well, Wendy, let me, let me
3: tell you something, unfortunately. And I am an ordained minister, and I have been one old 25, 30 years. It's terrific. And I've been from this pulpit to that pulpit to that pulpit to that pulpit. And I'm going to tell you what I've experienced. What I've experienced is they don't teach about morality. They, a lot of them don't teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. They don't go anywhere near talking about, you know, the sanctity of marriage or anything like that. Right. Life, so, you know, we have about 73% of black babies are born out of wedlock. While we have three, four, and five churches on one block, okay, something is wrong. And it's not wrong with Jesus.
2: Yeah. It's wrong with
3: what they're teaching. That's right. Listen, I just had a conversation Monday, the 19th, with the 18th, with a pastor I've known for many years. He's in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's 75 years old. He called me six times since the election. And I knew he was calling just the gloat that Biden was going to be uh, um, appointed president. Anyway, I returned his call Monday. And I was talking to him. The bottom line is he's not one of those teachable, reachable people. He's been doing the same thing for so long. Mm. He's been so mm. trained by the media, so trained by CNN, and so trained by the Democratic Party. But when I suggested to him you read the Mayflower Compact, He said, I don't want to learn anything and anything else, and I don't want to read anything. I got to go. Uh. So I told him, you're being disobedient again to God, because God says, grow in the grace and knowledge. So he's one of those who's unteachable, unreachable. We need mm. more people
2: like you, <laughs> Barbara. You're amazing, <laughs> Mike Barbara. How so- do people
1: find out more about you? We're nearing the end of the show, but I want to give uh, any of our listeners a little more opportunity to to learn more about you. Do you have a website? I understand you have a radio show yes, called we do. Our it's, Urban it's, Story as well.
3: That's right, and we have a website called Barbara from Harlem dot com. I think that's it's it. so it's catchy. It.
1: Barbara, that is so catchy. You know, Larry and I talk about a lot of political and religious issues on the show, and it is so refreshing to really be able to talk to somebody like you that actually has lived um, a very interesting path. You know, it's one thing to say I've always been on one side and I, I definitely, you know, look to the other, but you've actually experienced and evolved through so many different things that I just want to thank you so much for for joining us tonight, and to our listeners, well, thank, you for- thank you, thank you very much for for joining us. And we're so pleased we had to we had such a fantastic guest tonight. Uh, maybe Barbara will grace us again. She was just terrific. Thank, thank you for Barbara. all of your inspiration. Oh, I would love to. And please pick up a copy of my book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You are yes, listening to you. to you are listening to today with Dr. Wendy. It has been our pleasure to join you, and we are wishing you a blessed week. And we will be back on the air same time next weekend. We will talk to you then.